Well, it's great to have you here. Welcome. want to just welcome everybody. Welcome those who are joining us online as well. Great to have you with us this morning. And uh, we're continuing our series in the book of Joshua. So if you don't have your Bible, um, grab one from around the edges of the room. And if you got it, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 13 and 14. And just as you're um, making your way there this morning. Um, so this Wednesday night, we're going to be back at Georgia Beach. All right, so we're gathering there, uh, sorry, did I say Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening, uh, 5.30, and uh, you can come uh, bring your dinner, and uh, hopefully the weather's like it is today, maybe you want to bring your bathing suit, whatever, we're going to have a little bit of worship and uh, a devotional, and then we'll just hang out, and it's been really fun to watch everybody playing bocce ball and badminton and all that fun stuff, spike ball, and uh, I feel old when I watch... Some of our younger adults play spike ball, actually. They got some game. So, awesome. That's going to be Wednesday, 5.30, okay? So you just need to go onto the website and, and reserve a spot because we're limited for numbers there at the park, but we're outdoors, and it's really good. So, sweet. Hey, let's pray as we come to God's Word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you for the hope that we find in the Word of God. We thank you for the life that is in the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that your Word divides flesh and spirit and touches our heart, changes our lives. And Lord, we ask for that this morning, that we would see and, and hear um, about you, Lord, who you are, and all that we have in you, Lord, and that your gospel would be clear. And so, God, we just ask your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Sweet. So, yeah, we're just continuing on in our series in the book of Joshua. And... Um, Joshua divides really clearly into two parts. The first half of the book is all about war and all about the conquering of the land uh, as Joshua and the children of Israel enter into their inheritance in the Lord. And here in the second half, we're going to see that this uh, begins to get about the division of the land and the different tribes receiving their inheritance in the Lord. So let's check it out. Verse 1, it says this of Joshua chapter 13. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Now I just, this verse makes me laugh right off the hop here. I got to stop and just pause here because it happens, doesn't it? You know, the days go by a little quicker and age creeps up on you. And then one day you look in the mirror and you say, where did all those gray hairs come from? How come I look like my mother? Or how come I look like my father all of a sudden? Uh, who's the old man in the mirror? And it happens to the best of people. It happened to Joshua. And this verse makes me laugh because not even the Lord is gracious enough to give him a little bit of flattery. I don't know if you caught that there. Doesn't say to him, you know, Joshua, you look so young for your age, you know. If you didn't tell people your age, Joshua, no one would ever guess it, you know. They'd think you were 10 years younger than you are. The land of milk and honey, boy, it's been good to you, hasn't it, Joshua? No, what does the Lord say to him? The brutal truth. You are old and advanced in years. And you know, I love this about the Lord because this is the Lord. The Lord does not use flattery with his people. It's not how he operates. When he tells us something about ourselves when he tells us something about himself he always doesn't does so in love and he does so in truth and so he says to joshua here you're old you're advanced in years and there remains yet very much land to possess now that 
fact that there's a lot of land left to possess almost sounds a little bit like a contradiction because as we've been going through this series here, we've seen what uh, the Word of God tells us that <clears throat> Joshua and the children of Israel had already conquered all of the land. That's what the text has told us, that they had subdued all of the land. But it's not a contradiction. What's left here is this, is that there's mop-up operations that need to happen all over the, the promised land. And uh, each of these tribes, as they go into their allotted territory, has little battles to take on. And so the Lord says, there's, there's a lot of work left to do. And I think about this and just in terms of its spiritual application for you and I, you know, when Jesus becomes the Lord of our lives, when we come to him in repentance, we confess our sins to him. In repentance, we turn from sin and turn in faith to Jesus Christ. The word of God tells us that he'll be faithful and he'll be just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we know this, that when we come to faith in Jesus and we trust in the work of the cross and his resurrection from the dead, our sin's forgiven. It's true. All of our sin's forgiven. The past, the present, the future. But in my life, in your life, it's like the children of Israel entering into the land of Canaan. There's still mop-up operations to happen. There's, there's little areas in our hearts and areas in our thinking and in our minds that the Lord has to work in. And it needs to be cleaned up. We're forgiven. But the beauty of the fact that there's mop-up operations to happen is this, is that we're, not, we're no longer fighting from a position of weakness. Now we begin to fight in the Lord from the place of victory. We fight as men and women who are in Christ. Jesus has won the victory through his death and resurrection. And so we fight now from victory for victory. And this was the case of Israel in the land of Canaan. It's like, yeah, there's mop-up operations, but this, these operations happen from the place of victory already being achieved as well. And that's, a, that's, that's the case for us. And I, as I read this, I go, man, how much more does the Lord want you and I to lay a hold of in this life and in our lives? Our inheritance. Now check it out, verse 2. Lord says this, or the text says this. This is the land that yet remains. All the regions of the Philistines and all those of the Geshurites, from the Sihor, which is east of Egypt, northward towards the boundary of Ekron, it is counted as Canaanite. There are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. Boy, they were a thorn in the side for many years to come. And those of Avim, Verse 4, in the south and all the land of the Canaanites and in the Mira that belongs to the Sidonians, to Aphek, to the boundary of the Amorites and the land of the Gebelites and all the Lebanon toward the sunrise from Balgad below Mount Hermon to Libo Hamath, all the inhabitants of the land of, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to Mizraf, Mim, even all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. Number seven. Now, therefore, divide the land for an inheritance to the nine and a half tribes, the nine and the half tribe of Manasseh. Okay. So the Lord says this, I'm going to drive out the enemy 
What I want you to do, Joshua, at this point in time is to divide up the land. It's, it's time for the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh to receive their inheritance in the Lord. Now, we know this, that in Israel, there were 12 tribes uh, made up of the descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob. And two and a half of those tribes had half of the tribe of Manasseh and two other tribes had requested to receive their inheritance on the outside of the eastern boundary of the land of promise. They had asked to be on the other side of the Jordan River and Moses said, okay, the Lord says, yeah, you can have it. So two and a half tribes settled to the east and then the other nine and a half remaining tribes were to be settled in the land of Canaan on the west side of the Jordan River. And uh, so we got the 12 tribes and we're going to read here many times actually in this text, I think three times in this text, about the tribe of Levi. Levi was not going to receive an inheritance. They weren't going to get an allotment in the land. Instead of Levi receiving an inheritance, the tribe of Joseph was going to get a double inheritance, and they were going to, it was going to be named after Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And all of this land was going to be given to Israel as an inheritance and I love that because the Lord says, it, it's coming to you as an inheritance. This is part of your birthright. I'm your father. You're my people. This is the legacy that I'm giving to my children. This is the legacy that I'm giving to the, the children of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. This is the land that I have promised to your, your forefathers, but it wasn't given to them. Instead, it's going to be given to you and you're going to receive it as an inheritance in the Lord. And so it's interesting just to think about this, that the Lord said this, it, the land is an inheritance. It's my land. It belongs to me. I give it to you. And as long as, as we've seen, as long as you're obedient, the Lord says, as long as you obey me in that land, then you can live there and you can dwell there and you can worship me. The land will be yours. But if you depart from following me, if you turn to other gods and serve the gods of the nations around you, then the land is mine and I will remove you from the land. That's what the Lord said. And I think about this, I'm like, man, you know, this is a beautiful picture because you and I also have an inheritance in the Lord, don't we? We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Our Father in heaven has an inheritance for us to enter. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 to 14 says this, that we should give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the sons of light. He's delivered us, Paul said, from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We have an inheritance in the Lord Jesus. And the inheritance that Israel had, the inheritance that you and I have, it's from the Lord. And Israel needed to do this. They needed to lay hold of all that God had given them. And we need to do the same. Like you could imagine if some law firm called you, wouldn't it be awesome? And they said, hey, we've got some good news for you. Your long lost uncle, somebody, they've left you an inheritance. Like, oh, sweet. Yeah, you've got a big acreage, I don't know, in the Okanagan or something. You've got waterfront property and Vancouver Island. The, all you got to do is this. You just got to come and lay hold of the inheritance. You got to come and c come to the Okinawa. You got to come to the island and sign off 
and you're going to receive this inheritance. And Lord, you got to lay hold of it. What would you do? You'd go, right? Wouldn't you? Or say some Nigerian prince emails you and says, I got $20 million and I don't know what to do with it. And you just send me a thousand bucks. Wire me that and, and uh, I'll give you the $20 million. Like, what would you do? I mean, you'd lay hold of it, right? No, don't do that. That's a, that's a trick question, trick scenario. The Bible, the Bible, the word of God is all about you and I discovering our inheritance in the Lord. The word of God is all about us coming to understand, getting to know the one who loves us, the one who has saved us, and all that he has given for you and I. And God meant us to know him, to know him as father, to know his son Jesus, to experience the leading of his spirit, to enter into our inheritance in the Lord. And the Bible is how God teaches us and tells us all about how we have receive so much in the Lord. The Bible is how we come to that place of knowledge. And if we know little about this book, really the truth is this, then we know little about the Lord and little about all that he has for us. If we know little about this book, we know even less about God. And you know, it's, it's interesting to think about that, to stop and pause. You know, too many Christians just know the Lord on the basis of hearsay. You know, the basis of whatever's going around the grapevine on information they've received from others, on borrowed evidence, other people's testimonies. And there can be a danger that we don't hear the Lord or know Him for ourselves. This actually happened to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. When he had a vision of God sitting on his throne, the son, he saw Jesus seated on his throne. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said this, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes see you. I'd heard about you, heard all the hearsay, heard all the talking points, but now I lay hold of you with my own eyes. What did he say, man? I repent in dust and ashes. I turn from my sin. We need to hear from the Lord for ourselves. We need to see the Lord for ourselves, it's, you know, as I was thinking about that, it just made me think of like the dew on the grass in the morning. It's like, like the grass in the morning on these beautiful summer days needs that coat of dew just to keep it fresh. You and I need the Lord. Like your garden plants need watering. We're the same. Like the forest needs rain. We need that refreshing that comes from learning of the Lord, learning who He is, experiencing His presence, discovering what we have received in Him, our inheritance in Him. Now let's read on here. Verse 8, it says this, with the other half tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses gave them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. From Aor, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of that valley, and all the tableland of Mediba, as far as Debon, all of the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, as far as the boundary of the Amorites and Gilead, and the region, region of the Geshurites and the Machathites, and all of 
Mount Hermon, and all Bashan to Salka, and all the kingdom of Og in Bashan. This just makes me laugh reading some of these things. And you should be very patient with me and forgiving, okay? Verse 12, and all, all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth and Edri, he alone was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. These Moses had struck and driven out, yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshrites or the Machathites, but Gesher and Machath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. So, not, just a couple comments here. We see, what are the, who are the tribes that are on the eastern side of the Jordan River? They're Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They chose to remain on that side of the Jordan rather than crossing over with the other tribes in the land of Canaan. And it seems when you read the story, when you read the, the history, that their decision was based on what they felt was best for their families. Said, hey, we can make a good life for our families here. This is what was even best for their, their herds of cattle. And it was like, man, they put their homes and maybe their finances and their economic well-being, what they thought was best for them, ahead of God's purposes for them and what God had for them. And history tells us that these tribes were the first ones to get attacked. You know, when the enemies of Israel came against uh, them, these tribes were first attacked and who they were and what they had were carried off first. And, and, and I think there's in, you know, a danger here for us because the same thing can happen to us as what happened to these tribes. You know, that we can make the decision, you know, I'm going to walk with the Lord, but I'm going to do so from a distance. I'm going to sit in the back row back there. Pick on you guys in the back. I'm going to be a back row follower of Jesus. I'm going to just hang back there. I'm not going to go all the way. You know, it's a dangerous decision to not go all the way with Jesus. But the Lord leaves the choice up to us, just like he did with these two and a half tribes. God, God doesn't make us go any further or any deeper than we personally want to go. Now, now look at verse 14. To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance, as he said to them. So here's this, uh, one of the 12 tribes, Levi, as I mentioned, 12 sons of Israel became the 12 tribes, and only the tribe of Levi didn't receive a portion of land as their inheritance. And, and Levi was the tribe of priests, those who served and ministered to the Lord and ministered in the the house of the Lord, and they were, as we're going to see in weeks to come, they were sprinkled throughout all of the tribes, kind of like salt on your food, kind of like New Testament, you know, Jesus said, you're salt, you're light, don't hide your lamp under a bowl, don't, don't lose your saltiness. The tribe of Levi was salted all around the nation of Israel, sprinkled, and they were there to teach the word of God, to lead the people of Israel in worship, to administer the sacrifices and serve the Lord. So they were a tribe of ministers that oversaw the offerings, oversaw temple worship and sacrifices in Israel. Remember, Moses is from this tribe, the tribe of Levi. His brother Aaron was the first high priest. The, the role of high priest was to be handed down from Aaron to his son, to his son, to his son, and they were the tribe of priests. And then verse 15 says, 
And Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben according to their clans. Now, I was going to read this, but maybe for the sake of time, I won't. Yeah, you know what? Let's do it. I just looked at the clock. We're okay. Verse 15. And Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben according to their clans. So their territory was from the Aror, which is on the edge of the, va- the valley, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley and the tableland. Why do I feel like I read this already? It's so similar, isn't it? Verse 17, with Heshbon and all of its cities that are in the tableland of Debon and Bamoth Baal and Bethbal, Meon, and Jahaz, and Ketamoth, and Mephath, and the Kiriathem, and the Sib- Sibmach, and the Zether Shahar, on the hill of the valley, and Beth Peor, and the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshemoth, that is the cities of the tableland, and all of the kingdom of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, who Moses defeated with the leaders of Midian. Evi, Rechem, and Zer, and Hur, and Reba, the princes of Sihon, who lived in the land. And this is what I wanted us to see. Verse 22, Balaam also, the son of Beor, the one who practiced divination, was killed with the sword by the people of Israel among the rest of their slain. And the border of the people of Reuben was the Jordan as their boundary. This was the inheritance of the people of Reuben according to to their clans, with their cities and villages. Now, verse 22 mentions this character, Balaam. His story is told in Numbers chapter 22 to 25. Balaam was, a, I don't know, involved in divination and witchcraft. When the enemies of Israel saw Israel coming and entering their land and coming towards the promised land, uh, the king of the Amorites hired Balaam. He gave him money and he said, I want you to curse the children of Israel. So he used divination and he went to curse Israel and God spoke to him. He said, those are my children and I've blessed them. You can't curse them. So Balaam told the king, the Lord spoke to me. I'm not allowed to curse the children of Israel. So he spoke a blessing over God's people and the enemy of God's people got really mad. He said, here's more money. I want you to curse them. And so with the opportunity to to make some cash, some filthy lucre, dishonorable riches, Balaam pressed the Lord. Lord, are you sure? Can't I curse these people? You've blessed them, but should I curse them? And the Lord allowed Balaam to speak again, but he said, you can only say what I tell you to say and you can go. And it's this great story. I, the reason why I mention it is because it's the famous story because Balaam was rebuked by what? Do you remember? As he went, a donkey. He rode his donkey and had a confrontation with the angel of the Lord. He didn't know the angel of the Lord was in his path. God was going to strike Balaam dead and his donkey wouldn't go any further. So he got off his donkey beat his donkey and his donkey. The Lord opened his mouth. It's a great Bible story. You got to go read it, okay? Numbers chapter 22 to 25. Well, uh, Balaam never got to curse the people of God, but he gave the Amorites an instruction. He said, send your women in amongst the Israelite men and seduce them and lead them into worshiping other gods. And 
it happened. He was an evil man. So we just read here that Reuben, the tribes of Israel, uh, Balaam was judged. He got killed by the tribe of Reuben. Now, if we were to read on, I'm not going to read it. Verses 24 to the end of the chapter, they go on, discuss in further detail the inheritance of God and Reuben and Manasseh. Let's jump right to chapter 14, okay? Your Bible, go to chapter 14. And we're going to cross the river to the west side of the Jordan. And uh, we're going to move quickly in the weeks to come because there's a lot of cities listed here, okay? But we'll touch down in chapter 14 because this is a great chapter. It says this in verse 1. These are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the father's houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for nine and one-half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance to the two and one-half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, And no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in. With their pasture lands for the livestock and their substance, the people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. They allotted the land. Now, I guess if we were to just jump ahead and like read for six chapters of names of cities and places and rivers and bodies of water and all of these boundaries, you'd go, seriously, why is all this stuff here in the Bible? This is a little, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say boring. It's, uh, that, that sounds very sacrilegious for me to say such a thing about this dull. I don't know. But these are recorded in the Word of God. These details matters to the Lord. And, you know, you think about it, it's like the Lord recorded it in His Word so that this generation about which we're reading and the generations to come might know the full extent of all that God had given them. No one besides Joshua or Caleb had ever entered into this land of Canaan. Everything's new, man. It's like, don't you love that about a, it's like a road trip. It's like going around every corner is new. They're discovering something new. They're seeing something new. Find some new swimming hole, some new great city, some new great farm, some, some great lush area that God has blessed them with. And they're entering this promised land. It's like entering a new country. And the Lord had to define for them, this is the extent of your inheritance. This is everything I'm giving you. Look at it. It's amazing. And the spiritual application for us is this. Like, even after we come to faith in Jesus, we give our lives to Jesus. Born of the Spirit, we're regenerated. We're made a new creation. God's people can still be ignorant and uninformed about all of the unsearchable riches. That's what the Bible says, Jesus, we've received in Jesus, riches that are unsearchable, this inheritance that we have in Christ. And we have to become informed with the Word of God about all that we have in Jesus. You know, Paul again said this, 1 Corinthians 2, 2 verse 9, but it is as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for the heart of those who love him. It's our inheritance in the Lord. It's beyond imagination. 
It's beyond anything our eyes have seen or our ears have heard. And as we search the word of God, we learn of those things. We learn of all that we have in the Lord. Now, verse, chapter 14 continues on. Verse 6 here. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. It comes to a great story of a great man, Caleb. The man Caleb. And so let's read to the end of the chapter and see the story of Caleb. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kesazite, came to him, said to him, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now... Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he has said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong as the day I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and for coming. So now... Give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Verse 13. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. So we read here about this great man of God, Caleb. And one of the character traits that we read over and over about Caleb every time you see him in scripture is this, is that he was a man who had wholehearted devotion to the Lord his God. He, along with uh, Joshua and 10 other men, were sent as 12 spies into the land of Canaan to spy it out some 45 years earlier. And you know well, I'm sure, the story, but just in case you don't, Joshua and Caleb came back with those 12 men and they were very outspoken about the fact that God had blessed them and that they should go in and take this land, that it was their inheritance in the Lord. And uh, the 10 other spies said this, man, there's giants in those lands. And they're bigger and greater people than we are. And I don't think that we can defeat them. And they were terrified and they were unbelieving in the Lord. And uh, they led that entire generation of the children of Israel uh, to a place of unbelief where they didn't trust God, that God was leading them in the promise, into the promised land. And, and because 
of fear gripping their hearts and unbelief, the Lord said, fine. This generation will not enter into the promised land. But because Joshua and Caleb believe me, when the entire generation has died off except those two men, the children of Israel will enter. And so Joshua and Caleb are the two men left of this older generation who've entered the land. Uh, and they were able to do so because they believe God. In faith, they believe God. And here's Caleb now. He's 85 years old. Just looking around the room. There's nobody 85 here. 85 years old. And he says this, my strength is as good now as it was 45 years earlier. Isn't that impressive? Man, that's, it would be nice to be like that when you're 85, wouldn't it? He says, I'm ready for war. I'm ready for war. I'm as ready for war now as I was 45 years ago. And, and better yet, his heart was still fully for God, holy for God at 85 years old. This guy's like got a heart that is burning for the Lord and the things of God. And he knew this, that should God make a way, victory was his. And the promise of God that was given to him by Moses was that he would inherit the land where his foot had stepped. Now, all those years before, he had gone to the city of Hebron. And Hebron is significant for the children of Israel. Here's why. Hebron was the place where Abraham had pitched his tent when he came to the land of Israel. Hebron was the place where the Lord actually came and visited Abraham at his tent. He came with two angels and ate with Abraham. And that's the place where the Lord said to Abraham, about this time next year, Sarah's going to have a son. And Sarah overheard the conversation and she laughed about it. The Lord said, why is she laughing? She, she thought, but she thought to herself, I'm, I'm, I'm an old woman now and my womb is dried up. Am I going to now have the joy of, of having... A, a, a child, but that's what the Lord said. And a year later, Isaac was born. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all lived in Hebron. In fact, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Leah were all buried in this tract of land. And now the descendants of Abraham were going to inherit it. Caleb had been there years before. He said, man, this is the place where Abraham received his promise from the Lord. But the city of Hebron was also known as Kiriath Arba, the city of Arba. And it says there at the end of that chapter that Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. This was a city of giants. This is where the giants dwelt and the greatest of them dwelt there. This is the, the Anakim, we mentioned this last week, these are the forefathers of Goliath. And I think he was puny compared to his forefathers. This was a city of giants, but Abraham said, or sorry, Caleb said, give me that mountain. Give it to me, Joshua, I'm ready to go. Caleb was a man of faith, wholehearted devotion to the Lord. He had faith to forget the past. Wasn't hung up in the defeat of the past. He had faith to face the facts. He knew that... <laughs> He was dependent upon the Lord giving him this land, and he had faith to face the future. Man, this guy was a giant of faith. There might be giants in those hills, but he was a giant of faith. God even said this about Caleb. He said that Caleb had a different spirit about him. Love that about Caleb. 
But his spirit is different because he follows me wholeheartedly. And you know, that kind of heart, that kind of wholehearted devotion to the Lord, that's, that is healthy soil for the promises of God. And so Caleb said, give me this mountain that the Lord spoke of on that day. But Caleb, Caleb, there's Anakim, there's giants in those hills, in that city. Look, at Caleb was not confident in himself. Text tells us there, he said, if the Lord decides, he was confident in the Lord. You know, no man that we would call a man of God or no woman that we would call a woman of God is ever self-confident. You ever, you know, the people that you admire and love in the Lord and that you look up to and say, that's a man of God or that's a woman of God. Self-confidence is never one of their character traits. Such a person, person rejects self-sufficiency. They embrace dependence on the Lord. They embrace Jesus' dependency. Look at, I might ask you this morning, where are you weak in your faith? Where are you feeling weak in your faith? You know, Caleb's faith came from this fact. He had a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. You know, where we feel weak in faith, it actually points to the fact that there's an area where there's not wholehearted devotion to the Lord in our lives. I want to point out some things about what Caleb's wholehearted devotion to the Lord resulted in for him. The first one is this, fellowship. Wholehearted devotion resulted in fellowship for him. In fact, do you know the name of the city Hebron means fellowship. It's where God meets with his people. It's, it was a city where Abraham, the friend of God, lived. Friendship. Friendship with God. Abraham was a friend of God. Wholehearted devotion will lead you to friendship and fellowship with God. You know, if you... You know, I might ask you this. Have you given your life to Jesus? And then yet, you sense this lack of friendship with the Lord or lack of a, a sense of fellowship with God? Then could it, be, could it be that the missing piece is this? Just your wholehearted devotion to the Lord? He's already saved you. Caleb's wholehearted devotion led him to Hebron, the place of fellowship. See, those who follow Jesus know God. Jesus said about his disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And as we follow Jesus, it will lead you to fellowship with God. As we're wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to be your disciple. It will lead you to the place of friendship with the Lord. Here's another thing about wholehearted devotion. It leads to strength. I mean, look at this man, 85 years old. He's ready to rock. How is an 85-year-old able to say, give me this mountain? Give me this mountain. Where did he derive that kind of, you know, readiness and capability when he's ready for war at 85 years of age, as ready as he was when he was 40? Wholehearted devotion to the Lord had led to this man being a man of strength. You know, Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in me, 
If you remain in me, like a branch receives its nourishment from the vine, so you will receive nourishment from me. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Your nourishment, your strength comes from me, comes from abiding in me. Caleb was a man. Here's what I would say about Caleb. He's a man who abided in the vine, nourished by the strength of the Lord. Isaiah said this, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So Caleb's devotion to the Lord led to strength in his life. Here's one more thing. Wholehearted devotion to the Lord leads to victory. It leads to victory. Where do you need victory? You know what's amazing? Caleb, when you read about the children of Israel, all throughout the book of Joshua and into the book of Judges, Caleb appears to be the only guy who totally succeeded in driving out the enemy. He totally succeeded, we're going to see this in a minute, in driving out the enemy. He completely occupied the land that, Jesus, that the Lord had given him. Totally occupied his in, in inheritance. Many times we're going to read in Joshua as we get further ahead. And you'll see it in the book of Judges, if you're familiar with it, that, that it says this about the tribes of Israel. Oh, they did this and they did this, but they were not able to drive out the inhabitants of the land. They were not able to drive them out completely. How are you doing against the giants in your heart? Any failure, any failure would point to just simply this, the lack of wholehearted devotion. Caleb had a different spirit about him. Now, it's not going to come up on the screen, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 15. I want you just to see this. Verse 13 and 14. It says this, According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb the son of Jephunneh a portion among the people of Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Verse 14, And Caleb drove out Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of, sorry, Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. This guy, these were giants. He drove them out of the city. He took the entire city for the Lord. We're going to see this. Not only did he take the entire city for the Lord, we'll look at it next week. He took so much, he gave some to his children. He took so much land for the Lord that he had inheritance to share with his children. He had, he had a heritage in the Lord to pass on. This was a, a man with wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Now, if I was just to give us a bit of application here this morning, just before our worship team comes, um, look at this text. How we started off the story of Joshua, the Lord says to him, you're old. <laughs> there's a lot of land left to be taken. There's areas, there's mop-up operations that have to happen. And you know, that's just, that's my life. That's your life. There's mop-up operations that need to happen, even though we've given our lives to Jesus. Areas of our heart, areas of our mind. And what we see in the second 
chapter that we looked at with the man Caleb was one who cleaned up, man. He cleaned up. He mopped it up. He mopped up his territory. And church, it simply came this way. This was a man who was wholly devoted to the Lord. And so I want to just leave you with this challenge this morning. What are the giants in your life? What are the things you're battling? What are, what are the areas where the enemy is holding ground? You haven't been able to drive him out completely in your life. Your strength, your victory, all of these things are going to come from just being a man or woman who is devoted to the Lord wholeheartedly. And this morning, I want to just leave you with this challenge to just say, as we worship here in prayer, Lord, I just want to, just in a fresh way, commit my heart to you. Say, I want to be a man. I want to be a woman who's wholeheartedly devoted. I want you to drive the enemy out of my life in this area, Lord. And so I'm going to invite us to stand. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And this morning, I just want to take the moment for us to pray together and say, Lord, I just want to freshly commit my heart to you. Say, I want to enter into all that you have for me. And there's giants that are in the way. And I just want to, I want to be a man or woman who's devoted in my heart to you for victory, asking you for strength. I'm asking you to, transform me and to change me. And so let's just bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for the challenges that are in your word. We thank you for the stories of great men of God like Joshua and Caleb. And Lord, we see the challenge of your word. We know this, Jesus, that as we give you our lives, you've forgiven our sin, past, present, future. But Lord, if we're each to search our own hearts and minds, we know this. There are areas where we are yet to have full victory. And Lord, we just want to bring you that area this morning. Lord, you know what it is for each one of our lives. And just before you, we acknowledge it. We acknowledge that area to you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to be men and women who are wholly devoted to you, Lord, we ask you for strength today. We ask you, Lord, for victory today in that area. We ask, Lord, that you would completely drive the enemy out of our lives in that area. Lord, just like Caleb, just like Caleb, Lord, we recognize it'll only happen by you. It's not, it's not about us, not about our might. Lord, you make a way as we're devoted to you and committed to you. And so, Lord, this morning, we just freshly commit our lives to you. To be men and women who enter into all that we have in Christ. To, men and, to be men and women who know the boundaries of our inheritance in the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us unsearchable riches. May we discover more and more what that means 
in you, Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.